The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Stephen Baugh. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father... May our meditation upon your word give you glory and honor. May it be according to your truth. Guide us with your spirit, O Lord. May your Son be magnified, our dear friend, our dear Redeemer. Grant, O Lord, that our meditation will be pleasing to you, that our thoughts and our words and our deeds will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to ask you to follow along with me in a reading of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, we'll read the first 14 verses. Hear the word of the Lord. But now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have, brought, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. Who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice, and he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you were going over to possess. 
the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. This is a uh, part of a faculty series on Deuteronomy, which is endless, I would like it to be known. As a New Testament professor, we've been in Deuteronomy for at least 16 years, as far as I, my reckoning. Seems like 16 years. It's a very big book. Although, frankly, you know, all the word of God is profitable and enjoyable. It is a delight to read and to study. Uh, and I can assure you the Septuagint of this passage is uh, marvelous in my eyes. However, this is a uh, devotional rather than a sermon, so don't uh, be surprised if I only have two points. I have three points on my outline, but I'm only going to give you two points because our time is very fleeting, and we call this devotional so that we can simply focus on a few things. Hopefully it will be edifying for you. And the thing I want to focus on is the law. There are a lot of questions about the law in our circles. There are a lot of, you know, things about the law swirling around. People think uh, they know what, uh, what the law is or how, you know, we at our school treat it. Interestingly, none of them talk with me. Uh, but here is an aspect of the law that I think is uh, so clear in this passage. I'd like us to meditate on it. I'd like you particularly to look at this uh, statement earlier in our passage when it says, the law is your wisdom. This is quite an interesting statement. The law is your wisdom. That was in verse 6. And I'd like you to think about that in the broader terms, and particularly a word that did come up in our passage, but is evidenced far more uh, uh, pervasively, both in our passage and throughout the scripture, and that is the covenant which uh, both stands behind the law and of which it is a part. Now, when we talk about covenant, it has different aspects. Covenant in general is a commitment which is oath-bound between two or more parties. That's a a good general definition of covenant. It's this commitment that's uh, got this oath sealing it. Uh, And that covenant is evidenced throughout this passage by the formula of the covenant. Now, that's a term used predominantly in Old Testament studies, but it is also relevant for the New Covenant and uh, any other aspect of the scripture to keep in mind. In our passage, it is so obvious when you understand that this phrase, the Lord our God, the Lord your God, is an expression of that covenant commitment. When, when he says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. That commandment, that's the first of the Ten Commandments, that commandment is prefaced by the covenant bond. I am the Lord, your God. I am committed to you. And you are my people, and I am your God. I'm not the God of anyone else. I'm your God. At that time, he was the God of Israel. Now, that that formula takes different forms throughout Deuteronomy. For example, you find the Lord, my God, when Moses speaks four times in Deuteronomy. You find the Lord, our God, 23 times in Deuteronomy. 
you find the Lord your God over 200 times in Deuteronomy. And that, in Hebrew, they differentiate your, it's also in Greek, but in Hebrew, differentiate your as singular versus plural. And he's speaking to the people as a group. You, my people, singular, your God, singular, because he belongs to all of the people, both from the greatest to the least of them, as their God. And then you, plural, 45 times, his God twice, their God 10 times. Over 300 times in Deuteronomy, the phrase, your God, our God, my God, etc., appears 300 times more, actually. I didn't count them all, but it's over 300. In Deuteronomy alone, how much more throughout the Old Testament? It's in our passage. Look with me at verse 4. And let me emphasize it as I read verse 4 through 7. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them and take possession, you know, in the land, etc. Verse 6, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who will... Who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near as the Lord our God is to us, and whenever we call upon him? So we find that in this passage several times. Just in a few verses, almost every verse has that phrase. And that conditions everything. That is the base upon which the scripture puts us. We stand on that truth today in, in the same way that they did back then. The commitment of the Lord to his people is our firm foundation because that commitment doesn't change. He has wedded himself to us. He has allied himself to us. He has committed himself to us by oath. You all remember the smoking lamp passing through the sacrificial pieces with, of animals with Abraham. In the New Testament, that covenant that you and I now are a part of was sealed by the blood of the Lamb as the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews 9.15, if you want just one text. God's oath was sealed by the blood of his son so that he may be guarantor of a better covenant. Well, that is the foundation upon which we stand as well. And that conditions everything we think about with regard to the law. You see, the law for us is not access to God being our God. Notice how Israel is delivered out of Egypt and then given the Ten Commandments. It's as if the Lord said to them, I have delivered you out of bondage and wedded you to myself. So if you love me, keep my commandments. And then you get the Ten Commandments. Starting with, you shall have no other gods before me. Something, by the way, they forgot at Baal Peor, referenced in this text. So something where they turned their back on the Lord. 
Now, there are many implications of that covenant bond of God with us. Many implications. There's a lot of things to say, far more than we have time for. But there's one thing in our text in verse 7. I'm going to read it again, and I want to just underline this. For what great nation is there that has a God? Notice, Israel could say, we have a God. He is our God. Okay? Keep reading. What great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Notice what it says. A God so near to us. A God who is not just committed to us from this great distance and from this vast gulf of space way out there looks upon us through a telescope and says, oh yeah, I have this people over there somewhere or other. Like sort of a lost toy. You know, I really should look them up sometime. This people of mine over there. This is not how he acts That covenant bond can assure us that the Lord is near us. He is with us. He takes account of our lives. He knows our frame. Now I'm just quoting Psalm 103. He knows who we are inside and out. He has shaped us. He knows every detail of us, and he walks with us. What nation is there that has a God so near who walks with his people, who attends to them, who cares for them, who nourishes them, and cherishes them as his own prized possession. No other nation has such a God. So when you think about the law as your wisdom, that's, that conditions everything. When you think about the law as this Commandment coming to you and your imperfections and your sin and your guilt pile up on you as they surely do. You fall back on the gospel of the Lord committed to you and you now, what a great blessing, you now and the Lord committed to you in the life of his son. An incarnate human being who stands at the right hand of the Father pleading for you and showing his scars and saying, I did this for that person, for John, for Mary. These are, these are the wounds that my Mary deserved, and I took them. And the Father says, yes, indeed, and I accept it, I swear. Hebrews 7, 22 to 20, 20 to 22. So in Deuteronomy, when it says the Lord is your wisdom, or the law is your wisdom, it's a law that comes with more than just bare commandment because the Lord knows. He knew then, he knows now, that you cannot attain his friendship by keeping his law. You keep his law because you have his friendship. Brothers and sisters, the law today is not our enemy. The Ten Commandments are nourishing to our souls. We should delight in the law of God, the moral commandments of our Lord. You should be reading Matthew 5 and how the Lord Jesus 
takes the moral law and he says, no, it really extends to your thoughts and your words as well as your actions. It's easy to show that. Just read Matthew 5. And you should look at that and say, this is where I want to go. This is what he's working in me. This is my delight. Now you have Psalm 119 under your belt. Something that, frankly, as a young Christian, I was really, really unable to confess. I think it says four times in Psalm 119, Lord, I love your law. And I kept thinking, well, I'd like to say that. But frankly, it's kind of scary. Because I didn't really have the gospel soaking through me. So that now, brothers and sisters, I'm talking about obeying the Lord. I'm talking about righteousness. I'm talking about doing good works. I'm talking about the law as it says to you, not only don't do this, but do this. Like Paul does when he says, the thief, let him no longer steal. So there it says, don't do that. But rather work with his own hands that he might have excess to give to those in need. There's the positive side of the law. You want to see that worked out? It's throughout the Bible. The Westminster Larger Catechism and other documents from that era express the commandments of God positively and negatively. Helps you understand how these commandments come with both a, a negative side, don't do that, and a positive side, but rather do this. In fact, substituting positively working with your own hands that you may have something to share, generosity over against selfishness and covetousness of the thief, you substitute something good for something evil in your life. This is your wisdom. This is how you walk in this world and people look at you as a nation, a holy nation you are called as Christians, a royal priesthood, and they look at you and they say, oh, that's a disciple of Jesus. I can see that person's love. Didn't Jesus say that? They will know me by your love. They will know that you are mine by your love. Well, there's much more to say about the law as the wisdom of Israel. In, you know, just in passing, notice how chapter 4 continues on. Chapter 4 and verse 41 and following talks about the law as it administers a city of refuge and sets up this statute for cities of refuge where people can flee from wrongful death in consequence for accidental death, you know, manslaughter, that they wouldn't be put to death, you know, by vengeance. That's part of the law. That's the wisdom of Israel. It's a very broad thing in the Old Testament because it's merged with the nation state of Israel. So there are, there are you know, a lot of other things to talk about, but there's one thing to mention here. This whole dynamic, as I've already indicated, of taking the law and embracing it as our wisdom and our life and our expression of love to the Lord isn't restricted to the Old Testament, not to this passage or any other part of the Old Testament. It, it's exactly the religion of the New Testament as well. Let me direct your attention and your thoughts. I'm not going to have you turn there for time's sake to Matthew 28. 
the Great Commission, which you hear at missionary gatherings, rightly so. But there's also stuff in there for you if you're not a missionary. When Jesus says, and teach them to obey all that I commanded you. Notice that Jesus tells the apostles to teach the disciples to obey all that he commanded. Not just teach them all my commandments just so they have those in their back pocket. You know, it's kind of nice to have the commandments. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. Disciple them. Nurture them. Bring out in them an act a life of love and service and devotion to me. And remember how that passage ends. And look, I am with you, <laughs> even to the end of that age. President Sisby sees talking to us today. I am with you to the end of the age. He wasn't only talking to the apostles because they didn't live that long. He was talking to us. It's that same covenant commitment. Our Lord Jesus, the one who died for us, whose blood is our only hope, is with us as we seek to love him by keeping his commandments in the law, the moral law of God. Let us close with prayer. Oh, that we would do this more joyfully. Oh, that we would do this more willingly throughout the day with our thoughts and our words and our deeds. There will be a day, O oh Lord, a day we look forward to when this crabbed soul of ours so permeated still with sin before you will be transformed and we will love your law as we ought and we will walk before you go shining as stars in righteousness only to that day, O oh Lord, help us to walk joyfully and faithfully in your commandments to obey them, that we may please you in gratitude for the great and free salvation we have in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.